0: Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, We've been in this series um, called Celebrate, and I think it's so good because we oftentimes forget to celebrate the little things, right? Right? We celebrate big things, like we got a job promotion, the kids are doing great, whatever, but some of the small things we forget to celebrate. This is something I've been trying to work on uh, being a young dad, is when Vince does even small things that are good, I should celebrate them, right? And not just on the big things, or not just when he doesn't, mess up royally you know but when he does uh something small that's little and uh something we've been working on is like his manners you know he'll say thank you or and he's gotten really good at it I'll give him something and thank you Dad. you know and he'll he'll do all these little things and and uh but then he's gotten into this one now where he says sorry for no reason (laughs) And it, makes, it, like, makes me want to cry, you know. He's like, I, 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 well, I'll be like, hey, man, it's okay. hey, don't, you don't need to touch that. It's okay. Sorry, Dad. Dad. And I'm like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, I'm just <laughs> trying, to, trying to help you. But it's the little things that matter so much. Amen? So I preached this message on Wednesday. So this, basically this whole front row has already heard it. But <clears throat> we've, been in, we've been doing this thing in our youth group where we're trying to read the whole Bible together, cover to cover. Uh, and so it's taken us a while, and we're not even close to done. But my goal is if someone is with our youth group two or three years, they'd have read the entire Bible and understood it. And had, because we record our messages, we have uh, them on po- uh, podcast form, they have a whole bank of uh, Bible studies they can go back to and remember. And so it's been really great. And so we are in this series that was... Man, it was about eleven weeks long. It's called the House of David, and so this worked through First um, and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Right, all these uh, fun stories of Samuel, Saul, David, uh, Solomon, all the mess, everything else, and then uh, Elijah. Uh, who Elijah was? It was really a cool, pretty cool guy. You know, uh, he challenged the prophets of Baal. Had this cool thing, and then. He's the only other person besides Jesus who didn't die. He was caught up in uh, chariots of fire um, and brought up to heaven, which is pretty cool. Uh, But last week I was talking about his successor named Elisha. And I'm starting to think that he just picked them because their names are similar, but um, I'm not too sure. But it's confusing when you're preaching to junior hires talking about Elijah and Elisha. You have to really emphasize it. But um, there's this story that happens... Uh, That's really quite interesting, Uh, and it mimics this story almost of what happened before um, with Elijah. Elijah, there was this story where there was this woman, and she uh, was totally out of food, and she was poor, and he comes to her house, and he says, make me a meal. (laughs) Okay, relax, dude, right? But he says, make me a meal, and she says, I don't have anything to make you. All I have left is enough flour to make one last meal for me and my son before we die. Which is a hopelessness that hopefully none of us have ever experienced. And he says, "Trust me, make me one, and it'll be okay." So she makes him a meal, and then all of a sudden, she just never runs out of flour; they just keep there's more and more and more and more. And then her son dies later. And she's like, "Why did you do all that if he was going to die anyways?" And then uh, Elijah goes, lays on the on the on the dead boy, and asks God to breathe life into him again, and he does. So then later on, he goes, Elijah goes and asks uh, Elisha to follow him. It's confusing. And he does, and there comes a time where Elijah knows he's going to go to heaven. And so Elijah keeps telling Elisha to, to kind of go away. He doesn't want him to see it or whatever. And Elisha says, well, no, I'm following you until you go. (laughs) And at the very end, Elijah says, okay, so then what can I give you? And Elisha says, give me a double portion of your spirit. And this is what I told our youth and this is what I would tell us is that uh, as Christians, we shouldn't be shy with the authority God has given us. We shouldn't be timid with the hope of Jesus, right? When, when, when we walk into a scenario, we should stand before the Lord and say, God, give me double of what I'm expecting right now. God, God, anoint me in this situation. Give me the words to say, right? And Elisha was bold and said, Here's what you can give me, Elijah: a double portion of your spirit. Then there's this interesting thing that happens. There's these stories split up, but it basically mimics what happened with Elijah. So at first, there's a widow with some oil. And her story's a little different. It's not necessarily that they're going to die, but she's in debt. And the debt collector's coming to take her kids. Which, again, is hopefully not a hopelessness that, that we've had to experience, but maybe some have. And so Elisha says, here's what you do. Go to all your friends and all your family and borrow as many jars as you can. Bring them all into a room, close the door, and start pouring. So she does. She gets as many jars as she can. She brings her sons into the room. They close the door and they start pouring. And they only run out when the last jar is filled. And He says, now go take these jars and sell them. Pay off your debts. Very similar to the flower story, right? It sounds almost similar. And then there's another story of a woman who created... Uh, or who made a place for Elisha to stay. Like she, she had her, her little casita, you know, <laughs> her, her guest room for Elisha. And he asks her, like, man, you've been so great to me. What can I do for you? She's like, oh, nothing. And then, but then he finds out from her maidservant that she doesn't have any kids and her husband's old. And so the, the, the kind of hope for that is gone. And Elisha says to her, by next year, you'll be holding a son. And so this comes to pass, she does, but then the boy gets older, and he dies. So, <laughs> this is the scripture we're going to start with. This is the scripture I preach on Wednesday. It's going to be good. Amen? All right, we're going to start on verse 18 of Second Kings chapter 4. When the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father to the reaper's. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. (laughs) Right? What a dad thing to do. Take him to his mom. (laughs) The son goes to his dad, dad, my head hurts. Uh, Go to mom. Anyways. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon and then died. So remember, this is the young boy that was a miracle baby. Right? Elisha told this woman she would have a son. She's like, I can't have a son, but she has a son, and then he dies. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God in return. He said, Why will you go to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath, which are days that you would typically take uh, <clears throat> offerings to the Lord and, and, and something good would happen. <laughs> and she said, it will be well. So, the, so her son dies. And most of us, if we were in that situation, would be absolutely distraught, right? Right? as we probably should, (laughs) my son is dead, and, you know, I know what's going on, but what she does is she says, she puts him on Elisha's bed and tells her husband, give me a donkey, I'm going to go find the man of God. And he says, why are you going to do that today? You know, he's kind of questioning. And She makes a statement that I think we should all write down in our daily prayer notebook or whatever. She says, it will be well. And in some translations, it even just says simply peace. It will be well. So we're in this series called Celebrate. Today we're going to celebrate hope, the hope of Christmas. But the title of my message is, It Will Be Well. It will be well. So I want to start us off with a conversation of positivity versus negativity, okay? Okay. And this is kind of a funny conversation for me because I'm typically a person who's very positive, sometimes annoyingly so. Right? Like Danielle is a little bit more. She would say she's a realist. You know, I sometimes would say she's just being negative. You know, but she'll she'll come to me and say, "Well, this this is going to happen." I said, "No, it's it will be well." No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I said, "No, it's all good. Like you know, everything's cool. Everything's cool." And sometimes I'm so uh, much of an optimist that I don't realize reality. But here's the thing. I think the, the place that this comes from, and this I'm not telling you this. Please don't come up to me afterwards and be like, I'm so sorry. But when I was a kid, for some reason, I was an incredibly anxious kid uh, and, and, and really scared of random things. And I don't know that I disclosed a lot of this to my parents even when I was a kid. But there would be random things. I grew up in Vegas. Um, and I think on the news one time, I saw that there was a drive-by shooting, right, which is pretty common, you know, sadly enough. Um, and I was about 8, 9 years old probably, uh, probably maybe even closer to 10. It um, doesn't matter. But what I would do is anytime any car would drive past me, even in my neighborhood, I'd hide behind an, like an electrical pole or I'd hide behind uh, something that would cover me if some, for some reason shots started getting fired. It's just how I was. I remember I was the new kid in sixth grade, and on the bus, I was freaking out so much, I, I poured my uh, lunch out of my paper bag on the bus, right, just freaking out. I had to get my homework done right when I got home, or for some reason it wouldn't get done. I had to go to sleep with eight hours till when I was going to wake up, or I would lose my mind. <laughs> I was just freaking out about everything. And so when I got a little bit older, I decided to go to war with anxiety. I decided to go to war with being fearful because the Bible said God has not given me a spirit of fear, and so what that's happened is now I'm I'm uh, overly at times optimistic. But I was listening to a message because I in my head I'm thinking, man, it's it's well, it's not good to be negative, so why why would it be bad to be positive? And, and most of the time it's not. But I heard this message by this guy named John Tyson. He talked about this this concept of uh, It's called tragic optimism. Has anybody heard of tragic optimism? Anybody? So tragic optimism is this thing that understands that tragedy and suffering isn't really avoidable, but that you'll make it through. It's it's a very biblical idea, is that that suffering and and bad things aren't necessarily going to be taken away from us, but we have a Savior that gives us hope that, Death has no sting. We're going to make it through. Amen? And that's the type of hope that when a mother loses her son, has. She's not denying that he's dead. She's not denying what happened. But she says, one way or another, it will be well. Now, here's the thing that's interesting about this story is that she has to wait. Can you think about that in today's day, <laughs> where I told the, the youth this on Wednesday? It's like we have, we get mad when our Wi-Fi is slow, right? <laughs> you know, you're like loading up a YouTube video, and if the circle starts going, you're like, "What is happening?" You know, call your call your dad. What the, the Wi-Fi is broken. And, Our Wi-Fi sucks, Dad. I used to do that all the time. Dad, just pay more money. It's not that big of a deal. When you're a kid. Dad, it's like 20 bucks, you know. (laughs) Just fix it. The Wi-Fi stinks, you know. And it's like the microwave, you know. If you got to put anything in in there over 30 seconds, you might as well go get a job, a side job. (laughs) Wait for it to get done, you know, and come back. It's like we have no patience anymore. None. But the interesting thing is waiting is like on the bottom level of suffering, on the totem pole of suffering. And we have to learn how to do it well. We have to learn how to wait. We have to. And here's the thing. In today's world, we have to learn from this how to wait because no one else is going to teach us how to wait. Everyone's working so hard to give us everything as quickly as they can get it to us. You don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore if you don't want to. <laughs> Just schedule your groceries to show up. And here's the thing: if they don't show up on the day that you're they're supposed to show up, it's the same thing. It's like calling your dad for the Wi-Fi. But where's my food? You know, it's got to get there right on time. But this woman, she doesn't pan- panic. I need to do. She sets him down. Can you imagine your son dying and you set him down in a room and leave and say to your husband, "It will be well." It's a lot of patience. That's a lot of... But here's the thing. Sometimes we get frustrated that God makes us wait for something. We've been praying for something, asking God for something. We felt like God called us to something, and we have to wait, and we have to wait, and we have to wait. But if you're a parent in the room, you know that you'll understand how important something is to your kid if you make them wait for it. So, when Vince is like 10, maybe he'll say, Dad, I want a skateboard. And every kid at some point wants a skateboard, but not every kid turns into a skater, right? So maybe I'll just make him wait. (laughs) Six months later, does he still want the skateboard? Nah, it's okay. But I already know right now Vince is going to be like, Dad, I need a drum set. And I could wait five years. And he's still, Dad, I need a drum set. Why? Because it matters to him. And so sometimes God has us waiting for something because he wants to know if it really matters to us. Like, God, I've been praying for this. And he he knows if he just gave it to us, we would forget about it. It's like the Christmas gift that you're like, I need it. I need it. I need it. And you got it. You wore it one time or whatever. And it went into the closet. You forgot about it. Because it didn't actually matter this mom was willing to wait for the man of God. Why? Because it mattered so much to her. It mattered so much. This idea of, of, of waiting and this tragic optimism is a way to look at the storm and not say, please go away but say, come what may, because I have a God who can work through it. Amen? Amen. Now, this hope or this, this waiting, so, so talking about suffering, right, a son dying and then talking about waiting, what, what waiting entails is a hope that the wait will be over. Does that make sense, everybody? So, so there's, there's suffering, something bad happens, Right Then there's this period of waiting because we have a hope that eventually it will work out. We have this hope like the woman that says it will be well. And so we have to wait through this thing. But that's the story here of Christmas is this incredible hope. This woman has incredible hope. She says it will be well. Some translations, like I said earlier, it says peace. Her son is dead. How is she saying it will be well? She even said to Elijah at one point, you gave me this kid. <laughs> you said I didn't even ask. You said, what can I give you? I said, nothing. You found out I had this kid. I didn't have any children. And you came to me and told me I'd have a son just for him to grow up and die? Anybody ever felt like that with God sometimes? God, you gave me this. Just so that uh, it would fail? You gave me this dream, Lord, just so that I'd have to wait 10 years? (laughs) You told me fill in the blank. But she knew, this woman knew two things. She remembers the God that gave her a miracle. And she knows that same God can give her another one. That's what hope is. It's not saying, well, he's not dead. It's saying, well, he might be. And actually he is. We checked. But I know a God that gave me the son in the first place. And I know a God that will bring him back to life. This is the hope of Christmas. Truth is, though, not every time that we pray, not every time that we seek the Lord, does it work out how we think it should? Can we be honest? There's sometimes, man, we've prayed so hard, we've prayed so hard, we've prayed so hard, and it doesn't work out how we thought it would. Sometimes it does, and our faith grows, and sometimes it doesn't, we're wondering, what? Why didn't it work out? Why did I lose the person I loved? Why did they not come back to life? And that's the hard thing. As a pastor, that's a hard thing to address, (laughs) is that sometimes we pray and it doesn't work out how we thought it would. And so what's the answer to that? What's the answer to to suffering that seemingly goes on? The answer is the hope of Christmas. The hope of the cross. Because the Bible says that death has no sting. What does that mean? Because it still kind of stings. You know? when our loved ones die, it still hurts. So what's the hope in that? The hope is that if Jesus really died on the cross and he really rose again, it's all going to be okay. If he did exactly what he said he did and we all, if we just accept him, get to go to heaven, then death really doesn't have a sting. Eventually, and this is hard. That's the hardest word. Eventually, it'll all be okay. Eventually. Waiting's hard. But when we have a hope that is Jesus, we can learn how to wait. This Christmas season. Maybe this for some of you, this is the first Christmas without that loved one. And everyone's celebrating. Everyone put their lights up. It was a little harder for you to put your lights up this year, a little harder for you to put the Christmas tree up. And so what I want to tell you today is it will be well. It will be well. Might take some waiting, but it will be well. Here's how I know it will be well. There's a cool story. Um, Kevin, you can come start playing. Not keys, because you're not good at that. You can play guitar. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Here's how I know it will be well God is so good at fulfilling his promises. He's almost the best at it, you know? He is the best at it. So, in Matthew uh, chapter 11, John the Baptist says, he's, John the Baptist is in prison and he sends this message to Jesus and he says, Are you the one? that we've expected, or should I find somebody else? Whoa. What'd they put in his water, you know? (laughs) He says, are you the one, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replies, and he says, tell him this. He said, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. The last time things like this really happened was with Elijah and Elisha. And so Jesus is saying this very interesting thing to to John. He's saying, not only am I the king you've been waiting for, I'm the priest and the prophet too. (laughs) He said, I'm everything. And you could see it in what I've done. Jesus is saying to him, not only am I those three things, I'm God. And so there's this like, image of grace here, this amazing God who's who's come to earth and is fulfilling these prophecies that we would read about in the Bible. It's amazing. Here's, here's the most moving thing that I, I know. It's a fun story to illustrate that God turns all things for good. So in the story of Israel, right, if you go back to even Adam and Eve, it's like they had like, it was a small portion of the Bible where everything was good, right? It was like Two chapters, you know. And then, you know, I can't believe it was just an apple. It had to have been something super good, you know, that, that tempted him. Anyways, everything from there is like this downward spiral. There's a flood. There's slavery. If you read the book of Judges, it's like, They are good, and then they're bad. And then it's good, and then it's bad. And God sends a Savior, and then it's bad again. And they keep doing evil, keep doing evil, keep doing evil. And then David's the best king there ever was, and he's not actually all that great, right? Like, he's pretty sinful. And in the Bible, he's the best. That's crazy, you know? Like, he's murdering people, committing adultery, and he's the best we got? Wow. And all the kings after him were worse. And it's just like, everything is like, going in this downward spiral, and we see these two stories that are very interesting. Moses and Elijah both both ask God, God, would you show me your glory? Moses says, show me your glory, and God says, I can't, it would kill you. So God says, I'll, I'll pass before you with my back turned. And he does. The same thing with Elijah. Elijah's going to meet God, and he's like, I can't, it would kill you. And so he sends wind and fire and smoke and all these things. And God's not in any of those, but God comes to Elijah in this still, small voice. But there's this interesting story in the New Testament called the transfiguration. When I was a kid, it never made sense. (laughs) But it's basically, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. He goes up onto this hill. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns into, like, the most glorious thing. It says his face shone like the sun, right? Jesus in all his glory and all his deity is, is, is right there before Peter, James, and John. It's like, whoa, 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 what? And you know who else is there? Moses and Elijah. Which illustrates to us that the biggest wish they had in life, God, show me your glory, came true. They're the ones that are standing there with them. Did they have to wait for it? Yeah, like <laughs> thousands of years. <laughs> but it happened. So here's the thing, and I'm done, that I want to say. God is good, amen? And the hope of Christmas is more than just lights and Being giddy, The hope of Christmas is understanding suffering, understanding waiting, but saying it will be well. It's all gonna be okay in the end. If Jesus really died, if Jesus really rose, it's gonna be okay. Jesus shows up in the Bible to free his children. He shows up to tear down the walls of Jericho. He shows up to bring fire on a wet altar. He shows up to die on the cross, but you know what he also does? He shows up to put flour in a hungry mom's pot. And he shows up to put oil in a desperate mom's jar. So this Christmas, let's remember, it will be well. And that he cares about the little things. And let's celebrate that. Because he's always been good to us. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that is Christmas. We thank you for what it means. God, we thank you that uh, you are such a good God to us, that you, you care for us, you love us. And Lord, help us to realize that it will be well. God, that you haven't forgotten about us, that you know uh, the things that we, we, we care about, the things that we, that we need, God. And help us to learn how to wait, Lord. How to wait well for you, God. So we give you praise. We give you honor and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.